Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. G'day and welcome to Ausbiz. This is the call. Ten stocks picked by you. Two experts, one hour. It is Monday, the thirteenth of December. I'm Andrew Gagan. Great that you can join us. All right, our guest today for the full hour, of course, uh, here in the studio, Nathan Somersandram from Deep Data Analytics and via Skype, Francesco Destratus from Ord Manette. Welcome to both of you. Nathan, um, we saw that big inflation read out of the States on Friday, but the markets just took it in this stride. Yeah, there is this ultimate belief that uh, nothing will go wrong. It's like the property prices in Australia. Um, you've got US inflation went from 30-year high to 40-year high. I mean, this is astronomical stuff. Um, and I think the pressure is on the Fed now. There's some serious pressure from politics. And you can't discount that. Um, politic- Central banks can ignore Main Street for a period of time as long as asset prices go up. But when politicians are going to a midterm election and inflation is hitting 50, 60% of the population, mm they get worried. So it, it hurts their voting popul- population, they worry. And if they worry, the pressure is on central banks. So I think there's real pressure. All right, so it's gonna be fascinating to see how that plays out this week. How though do you feel equity markets are placed heading into Christmas? Yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a weird concept because everyone is worried, but everyone's positioned not to be worried. So we're very actively, aggressively positioned mm. on an aggregate level but everyone knows there's huge risk, but they're not positioned for it. So it's one of those things where you sit there and go, what, what people are talking about and what people are worried about are completely opposite to what the position of the market is. So there is going to be something, and, and everyone is expecting volatility to pick up quite a bit, and it's just how the market absorbs the information is going to be interesting. Yeah, indeed. Francesco, i interested to get your thoughts then of particularly that, you know, the inflation read we're seeing. Um, and uh, clearly, as Nathan also mentioned there, of course, we do have the Fed this week. So how are you seeing it? Yeah, look, I think Nathan's right. Uh, you know, we are positioned uh, as if things are going to continue on. Um, and I think part of that is central banks around the world, their fault, um, mainly because they've been sending messages out that, you know, we're, we're not going to adjust interest rates uh, until 2023, and some of them saying 2024. Uh, we're seeing those messages uh, come in a bit now, and we're starting to see them say, "Well, well, we could go a bit earlier." Um, I, I, look, yeah, what we're seeing at the moment is they're probably uh, reducing quantitative easing to a degree. I think they need to a bit more of that. Um, so that's taking the foot off the accelerator a bit. Uh, but I think they also need to put, you know, the, the foot on the brake a little bit and just touch them. You know, we, we got interest rates here at point one of a percent. I don't think it'd hurt. You know, uh, you know, in the first quarter or second quarter of next year to go to 0.25 or somewhere like that. Just, just to, so it's a gradual increase rather than, um, you know, inflation's a problem, which is not so much here, but in the US it is. Uh, and we're going to see more of that because of the tight job market. So I think we'll see wage inflation starting to push through. So then you're going to have some underlying inflation, which means that they're going to have to start ratcheting up rates reasonably quickly. And I, I, I would prefer to see them go up you know, gradually. market. So you've got major economies. You look at US and China, the US dollar is climbing Mm. because everyone is looking at just exactly what Francesco said. Everyone knows that US has got the problem. They will have to raise, um, they have to taper faster. They have to raise rates. Now they've tried to use that to try and curb inflation by pushing up the US dollar domestically. But the funny part is the Chinese have done the same thing. The Chinese yuan against the US dollar is trading at multi-year highs. And they cannot put it down because they're trying to do the same thing. So when the two major economies are boosting their currency, everyone else's currency is likely to keep going lower. And so they're exporting their inflation to the rest of the world. Mm. So you've got one inflation fight to now we have a currency fight as a side effect. 
So I don't think the other central banks, as much as they can tell you that they're not going to do anything, they can sit back and watch because RBA knows if these guys are going to taper fast and rate rise, then Aussie dollar will tank. And once the Aussie dollar goes too far lower, then we get inflation. Yep. And so everyone's in this fine balance at the moment. All right, and of course, the other issue that's yet to play out is the latest, uh, as far as COVID is concerned, with the uh, yes. Omicron variant. Hopefully, this week, we're going to get greater detail just as far as the efficacy of those vaccines are concerned and just looking at just how virulent it is or not, which could be a positive. Yeah. You're, you're seeing the effects be... You can see the uh, policy changes in UK, and that's, that's one to watch because, obviously, they've got the problem, they're seeing the numbers, they're acting which is, you know, compared to other people just saying, don't worry about mm. it. It usually takes two to three weeks for the data, so we should be finding out soon. All right, well, let's, let's stay with the healthcare issue. That uh, takes us to our stock of the day, and we thought we'd take a look at Ramsey Healthcare, the uh, Aussie multinational buying UK-based mental healthcare provider, Elysium Healthcare, for just over $1 billion. Elysium is a mental health, learning difficulties, and neurological issues specialist has a partnership with Britain's state-backed NHS uh, healthcare network. And um, so, yeah, Ramsey's saying it's, uh, it's an opportunity, obviously, to enter that growing UK market with mental health. Uh, currently seeing its stock down uh, about eight-tenths of a percent at the moment. Uh, Francesca, how are you looking at, uh, at Ramsey Healthcare, particularly I mean, mental health, and we know what the issue with that that's happened, particularly during the pandemic. So uh, do you see this as a good move? Uh, yeah, look, Ramsey's got a pretty good track record of acquisition, so I don't have a problem with the acquisition. Uh, it's around 1.4 billion Aussie. Um, their, you know, their market cap currently is about 15 billion Aussie. So, so it's, it's, it's less than 10% of the size of uh, Ramsey at this stage. So I, I don't have a problem with that. Um, they're buying it off private equity. Always concerned there. But because it's a, a company that's you know, involved in that part of the industry, I suppose, I don't have a problem. Hopefully, you know, they should do their due diligence properly on that. So hopefully they're not paying too much for the asset albeit it's a large acquisition. It's not large in the scheme of things for Ramsey. Look, I, I, we've, we've started to sort of become very positive on, on Ramsey in recent months or over the last six months because we see that, you know, with the advent of COVID, um, a lot of elective surgery has been put on hold. Uh, and coming out of the back end of COVID, we're starting to see the elective surgery start to pick up. Uh, there are a few constraints there. Um, you know, we, we've had presentations from the company um, there are some issues around, uh, particularly around the nursing levels. Um, so, so getting um, um, you know personnel to actually you know fulfil a lot of these elective surgeries uh, is a bit of a challenge. But look, I, I think on face value that the acquisition looks good. Uh, be interesting to see what the analysts say uh, overnight when they you know sharpen the pencils and have a close look at it. We, we've got an accumulate recommendation on it. Um, you know, it's, it's trading just under $70, 69 around there at the moment. Um, you know, our, our analyst has got a valuation of around $74, $75. So, so there's a bit of upside in there. I like the healthcare sector. It trades on a fairly steep multiple, but that's natural for the healthcare sector. So uh, in the scheme of things, I like the acquisition, um, but just want to see a little bit more detail around the numbers. Oh, and they're funding it through their... Um, their existing debt facility. So it doesn't look like they've got to go to the market to raise money. Um, be interesting to see how far that takes their gearing levels up. Yep, okay. So that's an accumulate from Francesco. Nathan, how are you seeing it? Oh, look, this is not a sexy stock. Uh, <laughs> never is. Um, Francesco's right. I mean, look, this has got a great management, great track record. It's one of those ones that you keep on your list. When it gets beaten up for something going wrong, you buy it because it'll come good. But you don't buy it when everything is going good. Mm. Right now, you, you basically healthcare stocks, if you're buying a healthcare stock, you're buying something new has to happen. Now, as I said, this is not sexy. It's never gonna deliver you a massive growth. It's defensive, it's solid, well-run, diversified, has a decent exposure into Europe. And you know, if, if you look at the health situation in Europe, you go, well, they're gonna be doing all right because there's problems everywhere. So in that context, I think it's, it's a solid stock. If you have it, if you've held it for a long time, I don't think you need to rush out and sell it because it's, it's solid. They are, and these acquisitions, as Francesca said, they do execute quite well. Uh, it's just a track record you can back. 
So is it going to, I don't see it being a massive mover. That's the problem. It's always a, a decent multiple on it. Uh, so is everything in healthcare. Um, and so if I had to pick one, I'm picking a healthcare stock that's got a decent growth rate. So it, this is more hospital, hospital obviously private hospitals mm. but if, and services associated. If I'm looking for a more diversified play, we tend to look at things like Sonic, which has been a phenomenally good business model. So, and it's not cheap and never is. Yep. Um, even through the pandemic, all the healthcare stocks show that people come back and play catch up. So the numbers didn't really get affected. So any kind of lockdown, it's not gonna be affected because the market now knows, don't worry about it, it'll be a catch up phase. So in that context, I think these guys are all solid. I'm not buying into it. Um, I just don't see the risk return for me. But if you're a holder, I think you hold. So it's a hold for me. Yep. Uh, but yeah, I, I need to something that they need to do that's gonna change dramatically and they leverage so much to government spending and healthcare is the massive part of the budget and everyone's got a mm. massive deficit. So guess what? At some point, every government's gonna cut their healthcare budget and that's the risk in this model. So that's why I'd be a bit careful. Okay, that's a hold from Nathan. All right, that was our stock of the day. Let's get into our, uh, our top 10 as it would be then. Uh, this, these are picked by you, of course. Our first one is Steadfast. This one coming to us from Kane. And Nathan, this is an insurance broker. I think was Australasia's largest general insurance broker network that it has. Um, and it at least recently uh, raised funds to acquire Coverforce, mm. uh, I think for over $400 million. Look, it's, it's a great business. It's a great industry. Um, we like the insurance sector. Insurance brokers are, they're killing it. So you look at Ausbrokers or Steadfast, both of them continue to do well. They do good acquisitions, they, um, they integrate really well, they just keep on, and everyone's, you know, consumers are now much more aware of the pricing model and premiums are going up, so there's a lot of rotations. These guys are absolutely killing it. And the problem is it never looks cheap and you think it's peaked and then they go and buy something. It's like Domino's. <laughs> Whenever mm. it looks expensive, people go, oh, it's expensive, and then they go buy something else and they execute well and the thing goes another layer higher. So, yeah, it's, it's a mental problem. I always look at things, oh, it looks expensive. But you gotta give credit where it's due and management does a really good job. So if you're there, don't sell because the management is very good at it. The thematic hasn't turned. So whether you've got Ausbrokers or Steadfast, both of them are doing well, I'm happy to hold. We like the insurance sector because that's really cheap value compared to the brokers. So we like, um, you know, IAG is one of my fan favorites. Very rarely do you get a top 50 stock beaten up that much. And yes, it's having a tough run, but when it turns around, when yields go up, insurance do really well. So over the next couple of years, IAG will do really well. And very, very rarely you get a top 50 stock beaten up. So that's one to keep an eye on. So look, if you have Steadfast or Ausbrokers, hold. I just can't get myself mentally to pay the multiple, but they are both great and they are functioning well. They're on an upgrade cycle. There's nothing wrong with them. I just can't get myself to buy it. All right, positive wrap, but as you say, it's defensive, but it is a hold at this point. Francesco, how are you looking at it? Yeah, look, we'd be a slightly more positive than Nathan on that one. We've got an accumulate recommendation on it. Look, as, as Nathan mentioned, you know, very good business. They've got very defensive earnings and strong cash flows. Um, and with that defensiveness, you know, the, 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 the COVID, the effects from COVID, uh, I, I think are minimal on this business, on the upside or the downside. So, so very strong. We're expecting a bit, bit over 10% uh, EPS growth next year and then sort of, uh, you know, low single digits uh, in the following two years. So there's some earnings growth there, um, you know, and that's coming from, uh, you know, more organic growth from uh, the premiums that are written uh, through the business. Um, and a bit of efficiency gains, we believe they've got some automation programs uh, to be put in place. So um, they're uh, also looking at some smaller acquisitions. Um, history shows they make them on an accretive basis. So. That should add to the growth as well. Um, yeah, look, I, I, we, we like the business as well. We're probably slightly more positive at this point in time than, than Nathan. We've got an accumulate recommendation there. Okay, all right, that is steadfast. Let's move to our second one. This one, Link Administration, been, has been a bit of a movement there as far as a potential uh, takeover target. Uh, Francesco, how are you seeing it? Yeah, look. Normally, with the, with the takeover target, there is a there is a takeover um, bit on the table through Carlisle, um, and they're they they've sort of been opened up to to a data room to do their due diligence. Um, 
Carolus seems to think there might be some more um, activity in that space. Um, in other words, other competitors that, that might come in there. Um, they provided an update at their AGM just recently. Um, you know, the current year's trading is very strong, so that puts a bit of a positive uh, spin on on uh, on those numbers that um, Carlisle will be looking at. They're also working on some divestments of some underperforming assets in their banking uh, and credit management departments, and there's a divestment of PEXA, which is a um, a property exchange. So those who don't know the business, it's uh, mainly share registries, but they do a um, you know you know, fund solutions and so forth as well. Um, oh, look, we've got to accumulate. Oh, I think there's probably a little bit of upside there if, there, if, if some, uh, if there's a bit of competitive bidding in, in the acquisition side of things. So, um, yeah, look, I don't mind it. Um, you know, as, as far as businesses go, it's not the most exciting business in the world, but, uh, you know, it does provide uh, reasonable returns on, on a yield basis. But, look, uh, in the next six months, I think it'll probably disappear from our, our screens. Okay. Nonetheless, uh, you're doing well so far, Francesco. You've got uh, you're accumulating accumulates. <laughs> You've got three in a row yeah. so far. All right. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's get to the next. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Nathan, uh, your thoughts. Yeah. Ah, uh, look. I try and be positive, and then these stocks turn up that just tells me no. Uh, Link basically sold their crown jewel in Pexa. Now this is a unique dominant monopoly asset mm. whenever a business sells their crown jewel you have to sit back and go why i mean it's it's australians you know if there's anything that we are so basically fixed on um, worse than a barbecue is the property market and you know you're buying the the monopoly asset of pexa you own it the growth on that is hard to uh, work out because it's really hard to grow to different regions but as a business model, that thing is a great asset. They, they did offload it at a good price uh, because since the float hasn't done much, it's basically gone sideways. But whenever businesses get rid of something that's that good, mm. it always tells me they're a bit desperate and it's almost like they offloaded an asset base, improved their balance sheet, you know, based the turkey, ready to be taken out for a uh, you know, Thanksgiving cut. So Link was always playing for that um, takeover play for me. And that doesn't give me a lot of score for management to doing that. Um, in that, it's not. I guess if you look at all the fintech platforms, their asset management platforms, and you know these kind of, they're not all the same. But if you look at all the platforms, the hubs, the netwells, the premiums, the glass one, there are consolidation going on. Uh, and these kind of platforms, they get to a level where, I think their next layer layer is consolidation, and you know, at, but. I think the fact that these guys are coming in and bidding on this just tells you the management hasn't executed as well. Um, so if the takeover doesn't play out, I suspect the share price will have a, a decent downside risk associated to it. So for me, it just doesn't make sense when you go into it. You, you really need to know on the inside that someone's going to come over the top. Mm. It's just too risky to go in. This is not even near the pre-pandemic levels or after the bid. That just tells you the management score isn't great with the market. So in that context, I'm not chasing this right now. It's too high risk. Would you hold it though? I actually probably wouldn't. I think you've got better options. Um, again, this is a really expensive market. Like the US market is trading at all time high multiples mm. and a tapering is coming. So there's really high risk in asset prices. And these times you have to either buy something that's really cheap with the cyclical upside, or you have to buy something with a really good management that you can trust that's gonna manage your way back. And this does not tick the box on either side for me. Okay. All right. That is, uh, well, essentially it's a sell then from uh, Nathan. Yes. Okay. Let's move on to our third one, Flight Centre. Of course, we know that the turbulence, dare I say it, that uh, this one has suffered along with other travel stocks over the course of the pandemic. Now, uh, Thomas wanted to know, he purchased this at $14.25 during the COVID lows. Feels as though he's held it on for too long. Uh, last week stated $24 is almost equal to $45 pre-COVID due to the capital raising. Is this the case he asks as a retail investor? He's, has he been hanging on too long or is there actually more upside when travel opens up and smaller competition has fallen to the wayside? What should he do, Nathan? He is bang on. He has done the analysis and he understood where it went wrong. Um, we were around the same price we got in and we got out around the 20 bucks um, because at 20 bucks it was uh, over 40 bucks, which is 
um, above the pre-pandemic level. Mm. Now the earnings are not going to catch up for two to three years. So in theory, you're buying something two to three years ahead and you're paying the price it was you know, in three years time. So you're paying a lot when it got past 20 bucks. That, and, but the positive side is there's a lot of shorts in this stock. So when momentum turns, short covering and you get stock price running hard, yep. right? So it's a beauty. It's the same problem in Flight Center and Webjet. So you can play both and the same upside. Now, it's an interesting share price now. It's not back to that $14, $15 level, but it's not above the 20 bucks either. So it's an interesting one for me. For me, where it is now is between 70 to $20 is where it should be. So I think it's actually okay. If you held it this far, I think you should hold it because I think the the economies are going to open up because everyone stuffed it up um, and the central banks have stuffed it up. So now the budgets require travel and uh, uh, those kind of things to recover. So the opening up cycle will play out. Governments will be very hard to lock down from here. So in that context, I think it will recover and flight center should do better. So you, and you still got a fair amount of shorts. So if the short covering comes, you'll get another run up. So just, you know, you're aware of what's happened. Mm. It's a great thing that you learn from your mistakes because even professionals don't learn from their mistakes. Yeah. And I've done that mistake previously. Now, this is a beauty because where it is now, I think you should hold on. If you've had the ride, you got in at 14, you've got a bit of a buffer, you hold on. As things recover, if this is a cyclical recovery story, you have a ride back above 20 bucks. And when that happens, this time, remember to sell. All right. But you obviously feel fairly comfortable given you got out at 20, though. Yeah. All right. Uh, Francesco, uh, have you held this? Do you yeah. hold it? Uh, no. Um, look, it depends on how you look at this um, investment. I mean, if you're looking at it from a medium to long term investment, I'd be out of it. Um, you know, I, I don't see a great deal of prospects in the in the sort of two to three year time frame. In the short term, it's hard to tell. I mean, the, the stock's going to be, you know, the share price is going to move around with, uh, particularly with um, COVID announcements. Um, you saw the share price collapse when COVID first announced and uh, when the Omicron variant came out, you sure saw it collapse again from that. Um, but then when the positive news comes out, then you'll see the share price rally. So I, I think Maiden's right. You, you know, in, if you're looking at short term, you probably, you know, hang in there for a little bit, see some positive news come out. Maybe the share price will drive up a bit. There's a couple of things you've got to remember from a long-term perspective on Flight Center though. This business is not the same as it was pre-COVID. You've got to remember they've shut down a lot of um, branches um, uh, to, to save costs. Uh, we don't see uh, you know, those branches reopening. So you, you, your cost base has been you know, cut back a bit, but also you know, the revenue dri drivers from those branches are not there anymore. Um, the other thing to look at is uh, post-COVID, how many people are going to be traveling? So you're going to have the initial burst of travelers, um, but I think you'll find that middle bunch that people that you know, maybe maybe will, maybe won't, will probably be a bit conservative and wait to travel. Um, I think people will use uh, these type of agencies more than they did pre-COVID because uh, they want to be certain that there's insurance coverage for things like you know, a COVID outbreak um, and stuck in a hotel for two weeks. So there's a lot of factors that need to be considered, but I think from a medium to long-term perspective, I, look, I, I'd be out of it. But in the short term, you might see some gyrations in the share price. So as Maiden mentioned, there might be some short-term upside there for, uh, for Thomas, I think his name was. Um, yeah, we, we would prefer something like corporate travel in this space. I think when things start to recover, um, the corporate travel market will recover quicker than the domestic uh, consumer market. Albeit Flight Centre has ventured into the corporate travel, uh, corporate travel is 100% focused on that. Okay. So we're going to lighten on it. Lighten. All right. So a hold with a future sell, essentially. Um, okay. Thanks for that, Francesco. All right. Let's uh, move to our uh, fourth stock. This one is Blackmore's um, coming to us from Cary. Uh, now, Francesco, of course, it's the Aussie Supplements Company. Uh, we've had those difficult trading conditions as far as China is concerned, and uh, it's getting more competitive locally as well. What are your thoughts? Yeah, look, this is a business I've liked for a long time. I think it's in a good space. Um, it is expensive. You know, um, we've got a we've got a whole recommendation on it. So if you're in there, hang on to it. Wouldn't be buying it at these levels. It trades on. You know, a multiple of 35 times for, for next year. 
uh, which, you know, in healthcare, and you'd probably consider it to be a healthcare stock, I suppose, um, despite it being, you know, um, um, healthcare products of, of um, you know, vitamins and things like that. Um, you know, trading on that level, you know, if you, you compare that to, say, a CSL, I'd rather be in a CSL than a Blackmores for a medium to long-term investment. Uh, there are good growth prospects for, for, for Blackmores, um, but it's about how they approach it. Um, and, and, you know, in the past, they've approached growth markets very well. Um, it's be interesting to see how management approach them uh, going forward. So, look, we've got to hold on it. I don't think, um, you know, you'd be out buying the stock at, at these levels. Um, you know, if it came back into the low 80s, maybe into the into the high 70s, you'd probably consider putting it in portfolios for the medium term. Okay. All right. Nathan, Blackmores. Yeah, look, it's a... It's a really good brand. It's got you know one of the great brands. It's been around a long time, um, and you can never under, underestimate a brand because you can sell a lot of things with a brand. And you know if you look at how much you know, a classic example is milk producers make nothing. Mm. A2 Milk makes everything. Yeah. It's a marketing company, right? Yeah. And when that went wrong, they got slaughtered. Now this is exactly what happened to Blackmores. Um, they didn't realize the channels, the uh, the Dago channels weren't doing well, and things went pear shaped. Now they've had management change. They brought production in in house. They've rejigged a lot of things. That's you know belted them down, and you could have picked that up numerous times in the 60s, uh, and now it's run up to the hundreds. And if you look at the share price, ran up to a hundred number of times in the last three four months, and it's pulled back every time. Now expectations are extremely high. Went from extremely low to extremely high, uh, because if and when they get it right, these things can have huge runs because of their brand. The brand is massive. So you always back, this is high growth stock. It does not have the high growth right now. So the question is, when does the high growth return? And when it does, these high multiples are justified. Right now, it's not justified. So I'm not a buyer here. If you're holding it, I'd probably take profit. Um, I'd probably be selling out and waiting because you're taking a punt on things improving. And this is not a market where you're going to be taking that punt. Chinese markets, there's geopolitics being played out and there's a lot of things playing. And you have to remember, Chinese inflation is early stage despite the high one. So if the one comes off uh, in some normalization, then all of these things start to go quite expensive for them. So these are the, it's really hard to work out these dynamics, what's happening in China at the moment. So I'm not trying to pick winners going into China. We've stayed out of it since May and we're just waiting to see things settle down and get some idea of the macro. So I think the short term, it's too hard to work out and this is not cheap. So for me, you're trying to bet against something that I can't work out. So if I don't know what's going to happen, then it's too hard for me. So I stay out of it. So for me, I'm staying out of it because I think the risk is too high, but it's an awesome brand. So when yeah. you start to see the numbers improve and they go channels start to improve, you just jump into this and A2 milk. All right, so sell for now, but certainly got opportunity ahead. Okay, all right, thanks, Nathan. Let's get to our fifth one. This is uh, Iron Gates Group. Uh, this one coming to us from Lawrence. Now, uh, Nathan, this is a real estate investment trust. Uh, it's made a couple of acquisitions recently. Of course, we know what's going on in that space at the moment. What are your thoughts? Oh, look, a management who's got experience and the track record's pretty good and the market knows that. So you're not picking up something that's cheap, uh, but look, they execute well. Um, if you've been there, I think uh, you ride with them. Uh, but if you are new to the, the for, you know, investment and you wanna pick these stocks, it's not, it's not a surprise indicator. You're not gonna find something that other people don't know about. So I'm not jumping into this one. It doesn't, I mean, look, it's solid. And I don't think they, if they blow up, if the market gets hit and they come off, they'll come back. So you, you got that. This, this is one of those stocks for me that you put on your list and say, okay, if there is a hit in the market and this comes off, I'll get back into this. But it's not one you buy after the recovery cycle where property prices are all time high, everything looks expensive and asset prices are high, cost of borrowing is going up. There's a lot of macro going against this thematic. For me, I think the property sector looks a bit dangerous because when everything looks good for a sector, what can improve? Mm. That's the problem. When, you know, if you look at the insurance sector, that just looks like a, you know, death zone. Our IAG looks like it's in trouble, right? Yeah. And you go, they've been around for decades. When the macro turns around and rates go up, they'll kill it. But property is the other way. When rates and cost of borrowing goes up, they're leverage beast, they struggle. Mm. So this is not the time for you to jump in when macro is turning against you. So I'm staying out of that sector. Yeah, all right. As you point out, particularly given the forecast for next year, Francesco, uh, do you agree? 
Uh, yeah, look, I, I'd be just sort of sitting back. If I own it, I wouldn't have too much of a problem with it. Um, yeah, for a property or a real estate investment trust, you know, it trades on about 16 times. Uh, you know, the yield's about, or well, about around 6% per annum. Um, and gearing levels are around 40%. So that's probably a little bit on the high side, but um, yeah, the yield, I suppose, makes up for it. Um, they've just recently raised $50 million to make uh, a part acquisition of an office building. Look, they're in office and industrial. I don't mind the industrial uh, property space at the moment. Uh, office, I'd be very wary of. Um, so look, yeah, we're restricted on it. Um, I think you know, um, one of our uh, associates was involved in a, a capital raising on it in the, in the in the institutional placement. So um, we can't give a recommendation, but yeah, my personal opinion is if you own it, look, you know, it's yeah, no point in jumping out just now. Um, but I wouldn't be buying it. Uh, this, uh, you know, there's, there's other places in the property sector that I'd be quite happy with, and that that's not necessarily the office space at this stage. Okay, but you would be holding it if you had it. If you got to hold it, but yeah, um, yeah I wouldn't be buying into it. Okay, that's Iron Gate Group. All right, that uh, we're half at the halfway mark now. So let's summarise those five stocks plus the stock of the day that we were talking about. Stock of the day, Ramsey Health, and. Um, Francesco, they're saying he doesn't have a problem with it. Um, it's a very positive stock, but uh, particularly with elective surgery coming back. So he's got an accumulate on it. Uh, Nathan's saying great management. Uh, be a good one to pick up, but obviously it's defensive. He actually prefers Sonic at this point. It's a hold. Um, Steadfast, that was our first pick. Uh, Nathan uh, saying, uh, you know, he's uh, there and yeah, killing it at the moment. That was his phrase. Uh, don't sell, it's a hold. Uh, very good management. Uh, very defensive, though, of course. And Francesco, another accumulate there as far as Steadfast is concerned, saying, citing its uh, strong cash flow. Uh, all right, to our second one, Link um, does have that takeover offer and uh, it's divested itself of PEXA. Francesco is going to accumulate. Nathan's saying that's a bit of a warning sign for him, the fact that they got rid of what he calls the, the crown jewel in PEXA. Um, and perhaps they were they were looking for a takeover play, so it's a sell from Mathan. Flight Centre, yeah, we know problems they've been through. Uh, Mathan said he actually got out at $20 there. It's currently around $18. Um, it's a hold, but obviously also seeing some potential there as far as the reopening. We've seen the borders today, further reopenings today. Uh, Francesco saying medium to long term, no, but possibly short term. Um, they did a lot of cost cutting. Uh, he actually prefers corporate travel in this space, but uh, he does have a, a whole, but essentially it's a lighten there from Francesco. Uh, Blackmores, it's a, uh, yeah, difficult trading conditions that we cited in China, obviously. Um, Francesco's got a hold, he wouldn't be buying here. Nathan's saying, really good brand, it's all about the marketing, uh, but uh, he'd be selling, taking some profit. and. Finally, there, uh, Iron Gate Group. Um, that is in uh, real, real estate uh, investment. Nathan's saying it's not cheap. And of course, look at the macro outlook with the prospect of rising rates, which uh, is uh, counting against it. So it's a no, Francesco, essentially a hold, seeing some good yields there. Likes the uh, industrial part, but not office space, which still has a lot of question marks at this point. All right, so let's uh, catch up with our own portfolio here on the call. Uh, we've been tracking this since July 1st last year, thanks to our partner, NabTrade. Uh, all the stocks to get a two thumbs up or a buy from both our experts go into the portfolio. If a stock that's already in the portfolio comes up again and receives a unanimous hold from both, it remains in the portfolio. So let's uh, check in, see how we're going. Weekly, we're up 1.5%. Uh, monthly though, obviously it's been difficult over the past month or so, down 2.5%. Year to date, since July 1st this year, we're up around 8%. Since its inception, July 1 last year, we're up 45%. And taking a look at those stocks we've recently added, EBOS Group, Adairs, Magellan Financial, Genworth Mortgage, Insurance and Adore Beauty. And stocks we've removed, Ingham's. Atomos, BAPCOR, and Harvey Norman. And you can check in on all those stocks and ETFs we have in the course portfolio by heading to osbiz.co forward slash 
portfolio and we'll be updating you every day here on the call and how it is tracking. Think having an SMSF is hard? Well, think again. Set up your own SMSF completely online with Stake Super and invest your super with freedom. There's no paperwork and Stake does all the admin. You just focus on the investing. All right. Nathan, I think you were laughing actually at oh, uh, being with, used by one of those picks, weren't you? With jello. Oh, it, right. it's, 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 like a, it's like an acquired taste. <laughs> and I think Gaurav and I always have uh, arguments over this one. Um, it's, it's one where I think it's a phenomenal business doing something that hasn't been done. Yeah. And it started to, they had scale problem last year. So when it got to around over yeah, 60 bucks, we went on a sell because the multiples were too high. Everyone got too excited. And it's an asset, I mean, the dominant market is asset management, right? Mm, so, mm. And so when they get to too big, it's really hard to keep performing at that level. Uh, they're good, but they're not that good. I mean, you know, if the market is not against you, it's hard. So when, I think there will be a turn, but when you're in a over 12, nearly 18 months downgrade cycle, statistically, don't pick the turn. Yeah. And everyone always wants yeah. to pick the turn, and that's happening in Magellan. It's funny. All right, we're giving you a bonus today. We, there's some ratings on Magellan, which we did last week as well. Uh, let's, uh, well, not an unrelated uh, area. Uh, Money Me is our next stock brought to you by uh, Michael. He wants the expert's opinion. Uh, they recently released a market update. He says that showed that their car loans product, AutoPay, had originations of $68 million for October, November. Across the business for financial year 22, they look on track to do $1 billion in originations up from 330 last financial year and 170 the previous. A share price hasn't moved though, he says, uh, despite continued execution of growth in loan originations. Francesco. Yeah, yeah we like this business at all. Um, you know, the, the, as as um, Michael mentioned, you know, there is some significant revenue growth. Um, they've been upgrading um, you know, almost on a monthly basis. Um, yeah, we've, we've got it on a PE for, for next year of about 23.2 times. Um, you know, and you look at some of the stocks in this, uh, oh, I suppose, um, financial money lending, uh, buy now, pay later as well, they offer. Um, you know, some of these stocks are trading at astronomical multiples. This one seems to be trading at a fairly uh, sensible one at this stage. Um, so, you know, it looks quite attractive. Um, and and if it appears, you know, if they keep delivering on these uh, revenue increases, uh, the re then the only EPS increases will keep coming as well. So um, we like it. We've got a buy recommendation on it. It's, look, it's it's not a, uh, a it's not a um, you know stock that's you know, blue chip and, and low risk. There's a fair bit of risk involved in it, but um, with with higher risk comes higher rewards. So I think the share price, as you can see, travelling sideways. It's probably wanting some validation. So I think by the time we get into reporting season uh, and they can confirm the growth, uh, we'll start to see some, some movement in the share price. Okay, that's a buy. Nathan? Yeah, the fintech space is tough at the moment because you have to remember, they're the outperformers uh, with the tech space, growth stocks. They've all had, when you got bond yields falling, and that's been falling for 40 years, and especially in the last four or five years where central banks went full metal stupid and took the cash rates down to nothing. They should have moved earlier this year. The fact that they left it so long made all of these asset prices go berserk. Mm. So the multiples have actually run too hard. Now money is a much better model than just to put it as a fintech. Uh, it's good management. They've done really well. Um, I don't have a problem with it, but it is a fintech at the end of the day. They lend you money, right? So when you are in an environment where everyone's trying to say rates are going to go up over the next 12 months, three, four times and nobody knows and Fed is trying to taper, which means banks funding costs are going to go up uh, because our banks still get 30, 40% of their funding in the global markets. That means when banks funding costs, they're putting up fixed rate home loans already, that'll flow onto the cost base for a lot of these guys who have to get funding through the market. So their margins are going to get squeezed and that's why the market is worried about these stocks and that's completely logical. And if you look at the buy now, pay later, they've had substantial pullbacks because they have much better, bigger leverage. But these guys are a bit better model in that context, you know, um, I suppose 
rising environment, cost of borrowing environment, they still do quite well. So for me, yes, the multiple is not as big as maybe the buy now, pay later, but these consumer finance stocks will always struggle in this kind of environment. So yeah, they're good, but they cannot, it, it's like basically you're trying to swim against the tide. It's too hard at the moment. This is a cycle where you don't try and pick these stocks. You look for the people who are going to benefit. Now, if you think about what's happening and you want to pick the guy who's been belted more because they're on a relative value much bigger. So the, for me, I, I, you know, we're not picking a lot of these consumer finance stocks. We're backing Zip at the moment because mm. of the global diversification and every government wants to have consumers buying stuff to boost their growth rate, especially into the election cycle. And a lot of people are in election cycle, whether it's in US, Australia. Um, so in that context, I think consumers will remain relatively well supported and buy now, pay later is part of that. So in that context, I think that kind of plays a bit safer. I think money means good. If you've been there, they're not gonna fall apart, but I just don't think you're gonna get the big run over the next 12 months. Wait, so you'd hold it? I'll hold it because management's good. You can back them, but yeah. I don't think you're going to do that well in the next four months. Okay. All right. That is money me. All right. Our next one, Aurora. This one coming to us from Craig. Uh, it is the uh, packaging provider. Uh, has reported strong volumes um, recently, improved performance, particularly in North America. Um, though weakness, I noticed in its glass segment. Uh, that's a lot of that related to the China story, Nathan. Yeah, look, the packaging industry is really interesting for me. It's good defensive play. Um, it's benefits from what's happening in the pandemic. Uh, you know, uh, you, you got packaging for everything. You know, there's a packaging inside the packaging. I mean, you look at, when you go to the supermarket and you look at items, just grocery, even the vegetables, the amount of packaging in vegetables is just hilarious. You can get the same garlic in three different packaging. So it's like, you realize how well these guys are doing because they come up with new ways it's to- It's irksome, stuff. isn't it? In this yeah. current environment, we're trying to get rid of packaging. <laughs> yeah, I know. But there's like, some of these things have a big packaging and then a yeah. multiple packaging and then individual packaging all yeah. in within one package. So the, te the innovation in that is phenomenal, but at the same time, so that kind of creates more and more products for these guys. So they're all doing well. My favorite is Amco. It's a global ply. Um, from memory, uh, Aurora was uh, split out from Amco. Uh, it was the bad asset that didn't get much attention now that it's getting attention by itself. They've turned around, they've some, done some divestments. Uh, the model's good. I mean, I don't think uh, the market is missing much. I think the share prices for uh, uh, Pact Group, Aurora and Amco, all three packaging stocks, uh, around the ballpark, I think it's right. Uh, they give you a decent yield. So, you know, they're not gonna blow up. Um, in a, bad market if the market has a pullback you're not going to get hurt that much but you know unless they do another divestment or an acquisition the growth rate's not going to really surprise you either so i think they're solid investments but you know it depends on what you want if you want a solid investment that's going to be slightly defensive in a macro where we are and give you a good yield in the meantime i think these stocks are all right uh, i'd pick i prefer amco but aurora is fine uh, i'd be holding that but if i had to pick 10 to 15 stocks it wouldn't be in the top 10. Okay, but Amco would be... Uh, you know, in our yield portfolio, we actually have Amco in there. Yep. I, I think it's a great global play. Okay, Francesco. Yeah, look, I think Nathan just read my notes, to be honest with you, <laughs> because we're pretty much the same. We're, we've basically got a hold on Aurora and accumulate on Amco. Um, yeah, Aurora was the, the, the poor performer in Amco a number of years ago before it was spun out. But funnily enough, it actually performed better than Amco uh, for three or four years after that. Um, and, uh, you know, those that were on board uh, and stayed with Aurora for those periods actually made some really good money. But looking at the two, um, well, looking at it, you know, Aurora, which was the one we've asked about, you know, trades on about 18 times forward earnings. To me, that's a bit high for a packaging company, particularly when, you know, you're not going to get serious growth out of earnings, but, you know, there are solid growth, um, sorry, solid earnings, so they're fairly predictable. 4% uh, dividend yield. When you can switch over to Amcor, you're buying something at about 14 times earnings uh, with a 4.3% dividend yield. So not much in the dividend. You're buying a much bigger company, as Nathan said, um, and actually we hold it in our income portfolio as well. Um, you're missing out on a bit of bit of uh, frankly credits with these stocks, but I, I think what they pay out because because of the the, the predictability of their earnings uh, makes up for missing out on on, on some frankly credits. So. Um, on Aurora, we're, we're just got to hold, but you know, if you're looking to buy something, Amcor's definitely our pick in that sector. Okay, that is a hold, but both pointing to Amcor is probably the place to look.
Okay, our next one, Pacific Smiles Group. Uh, this one coming to us from Francesca. And uh, Francesco is going to, unrelated, yeah. of course. Um, yeah. Okay, so dental, this is all about, uh, it's a, a, a network of uh, dental clinics, essentially, isn't it? Um, and, yes. well, theoretically, during the pandemic, we have been concerned about um, our looks, haven't we? So maybe that's part of it, but um, you still got to get your feet. I'm always concerned about my looks. Yeah. <laughs> There's not much I can do about mine, though, so <laughs> we might be struggling there. But, um, yeah, look, uh, Pacific Smiles, I, I, I think it's a good business. Um, the, you know, you've you just got to look at the, the industry and, the, some, you know, it's, it, it's a sound fundamental industry. You know, healthcare, obviously it's teeth, but, you know, it's still in the healthcare space. Um, you know, we're looking at earnings growth at 10%, you know, in the next year, and then some sort of, you know, low single digit growth for the two years after now a lot of the growth is going to come out of acquisitions they buy uh practices on lower pe's than they're trading on and therefore it's earnings accretive uh that's where their growth comes from uh, one thing with these types of business that are on the acquisition trial um, you've got to be careful when you get to the end of the acquisition trial and all of that sort of starts to sort of back up a bit um, so at the moment they're still on the acquisition trial and i like the the, the sector um, practices they bring in tend to experience a little bit of growth because of the, the marketing and advertising. Um, so at the moment, you know, we've got a buy recommendation on it. All right. That is a plus, a big plus for Pacific Smiles. Yeah. Nathan, shows your teeth. I went to the dentist. <laughs> and, you know, funny you should mention that when the lockdown ended, like everyone else, yeah. I, I called the dentist yeah, to make an appointment, right? Yeah, we we all do the same did thing. You know, you actually look good, but most of, <laughs> most of us actually put on weight because we, all we did was sit around eating. Uh, and so what happens is you realize your teeth is bad because, yeah. you know, you just get lazy. And so you've got to go to the dentist. And so when I rang to get an appointment to just get my teeth cleaned, I had to wait for like four weeks mm -hmm. to get an appointment. And it just tells you it's like a lot of healthcare stocks where everyone thought because of lockdown it would be delayed. But they, then there's a the catch up phase where everyone goes and gets it done. So, you know, you, you don't stop going to the dentist. But the thing about Pacific Smiles is, and I can, you know, I can see the ghost of Gaurav sitting on top of me, screaming at me. <laughs> it is better than a roll up. That's what he always says. And it is, it is much better than a roll up. Their business model is not just buying and, uh, you know, just doing the roll up. They actually execute through the business to deliver much better value add. So they're very good at it. They're phenomenally good at it. So. It is one where it doesn't look um, sexy. It's not something that you see and go, oh, look, this is not La Visa or this is not City Chic. But, you know, those guys get into trouble. But these guys do such a good job in this industry. It's a boring industry, but they're very good management. They execute really well. And when they have these kind of, but you're never going to get massive returns, right? If you're mm. looking at over 12 months, you're not going to get, you know, three bagger or four bagger. That's very unlikely. But they're solid performers, continue to grind out, and they'll just keep going higher. So if you're there, I'd say, look, hold on. If you're a new investor, look, you know, you could do a lot worse than buy a high quality management in a good industry, even in a toppy market. I think this one is solid. So look, it, it's one where, Usually I would say, oh, wait for it to come back. But look, this is a good stock. So they don't come back that much. So it's kind of had a decent pullback. I'd say you buy it. It's a buy. It's a buy. You got a double buy. Yeah, it goes into the go. portfolio. If it's not already so there, it's, I'll it's double a, check that. It's a high quality business. <laughs> okay. All right. That is Pacific Smiles. Got one today. Yeah, absolutely. Bringing a smile to investors <laughs> who are there. Um, okay. Let's sink our teeth into Blue Scope Steel. That is the next one. And uh, Peter... Wanting some detail on this one, um, saying you'd like a view, particularly in reference to the impact of future carbon pricing and relative attractiveness against SIMS, which may have some advantage on this front using recycled material. Nathan. Yeah, look, Blue Scope and SIMS, it's, it's a, basically SIMS is a poor man's Blue Scope. Um, it's just, don't, when you know SIMS is running, that the sector is basically flying, right? Yeah. And Blue Scope's probably done two, three times. <laughs> That's exactly the case. So you know when you made too much money on Blue Scope, you go, that dog must be running. Let's have yeah, a look at Sims. Right. And then Sims runs as well. So uh, look, management, phenomenal management. This is one of those stocks where 
a lot of the market got it wrong and they just keep doing better. Uh, they're expanding in the US. It, it's a great business model. It doesn't pull back that much. When it does, you buy this thing because the overall macro thematic, you know, if infrastructure and all that plays well for them. Uh, I think BlueScope's a great business model. It wasn't before. It is a phenomenally good business model now. Um, Sims is, I think the macro is positive for them. Management, uh, but there's a lot of things worked against them. Um, so I'm not just blaming the management on Sims. But um, I think that the problem for me here is what's happening in the steel prices. So the steel market outlook with what's happening in China is still a bit hazy. And if you look at the steel ETF, it's actually not doing that well. It's a bit choppy, but it's has come off its peaks, uh, very similar to what happens in BlueScope. So um, for me, that now is not the time to jump into either stock for me. I just don't have clarity on the sector. Um, I think there's probably more downside risk. We've seen a technical default in number of, um, well, they're not paying their bonds, uh, in the Chinese property developers. Mm. And that'll have some effect. And people really don't know what that effect is, flow on effect globally. And so we want to wait and see what happens in the steel market post that and then you would jump in. But I would say if you have a pullback and you had to pick one of them, always pick Blue School. Yep. You know, you always pick quality. All right, so do you hold it though? Um, at this point, if you're in it, um, it's had a bit of a pullback, not cheap. I'm not, I actually don't know what's gonna happen in, with the Chinese effect. Yep. So I'm actually staying out of this sector, so I wouldn't be there. If you were already there, I'd hold Blue School because I trust the management. Okay. All right, Francesco. Yeah, look, I'm, I'm with Nathan. I, I prefer BlueScope over 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 Sims. Um, yeah, look, look on the environmental front. Yeah, both of these are very energy intensive uh, processes. So I don't think you're going to escape that uh, um, you know ESG element uh, to the investment. Um, look, we prefer BlueScope. We we would expect sort of 2022 to 2023 the earnings to to drop off a little bit. Um, and that's partly why I think it's trading at such a low multiple. And we've got it trading at about three times earnings for next year and five for the year after. And that's where you get that drop off. Um, so, so we think it's very cheap. We don't mind buying it at these levels. We think there's, there's more in it. Um, as far as the competitiveness with China, look, a lot, a, lot of the, a lot of the steel that's being produced out of Blue Scope, well, most of it is consumed here anyway. Um, and, and, you know, talking to a number of property developers out there that use various steel in their projects, um, they're quite happy to pay a premium to use Aussie-made products, mainly because if there's an issue with any um, um, any of the, the, the manufacturing that comes in, um, you know, they can go back to, to an Aussie manufacturer and then get it rectified fairly quickly. Uh, whereas if it's come from China, it could take months before uh, they get an issue rectified. And it's sort of you're paying an insurance premium that yeah, you know, you're getting better, better, not so much necessarily better quality still, but better, better quality outcomes if you like. Um, so, so from point of view of Blue Scope, we like it. Um, you know, our guys have got to buy on Sims, but like Nathan said, you know, Blue Scope does well, so does Sims. Um, but Blue Scope, we have a buy. Okay, that's a buy for Blue Scope. Well done. Okay, to our final stock then, Unity Group, and this is a diversified provider of uh, telco services, um, essentially, at Francisco. Um, how are you looking at that sector at the moment in general, and obviously specifically Unity Group? Yeah, look, we, we had a hold on this, and it's only just recently in the last month been upgraded to an Accumulate. Um, mainly from the point of view of a lot of developments going on, you know, we you know, only see what's in Sydney, but you know, you've got a lot of, um, residential property developments going on in industrial property developments. You only got to travel down to the southwest of Sydney and have a look at where they're putting in that Western Sydney airport, the amount of work that's going on around there. Um, and obviously a lot of this um, uh, NBN and, and connectivity needs to be put in place. So um, whilst it trades at a fairly high multiple, um, yeah, we've got an accumulator. I, I wouldn't go overboard on this one, but um, you know, from a point of view of, of um, you know, the get taking advantage of um, the, the the development of greenfield sites in in particularly in you know southwestern Sydney and other places of Western Sydney. I, I think there's some opportunities here for some some more growth that have been predicted by a lot of analysts in the marketplace. Okay, so that's an accumulate for Unity Group, Nathan. 
Yeah, if you didn't know Unity Group's doing well, get out of the rock. Um, because reality is this is a good business and Francesca's right. They do the, the whole new uh, suburb um, acquisition better than anyone. Mm. It's a really good model. They execute really well. And guess what? Everyone knows about it. Have a look at the registry. Every fund that's good at picking these type of stocks are already there. The problem I've got with this is I think they do well. The multiple is high and it just got higher. Um, it's a fan favorite. It's a crowded trade. Everyone's there. So wh what where your returns come from is picking stocks where the market has ignored, the fundamentals are improving, and then the market appreciates that fundamentals improving and waits for the first data point to come in and then you get the upgrade cycle and you ride that cycle. Now, in Unity Wireless, that happened probably about 12 months ago and every man and his dog is in there. Yep. So the problem here is if the thematic, you know, so, so the, you know, we've had a really good property market, you know, you just got to come up with a suburb anywhere in the middle of nowhere and people will buy the damn thing. People are buying houses that they, they've never seen. A couple of pictures and you buy the damn mm. thing. So in, in this kind of macro, sure, they're going to do well and they're good. So they're executing phenomenally well. Now, is that going to be the outlook for the next couple of years? I'm not so sure. I think that steam comes out of the property market, then these guys will do well, but probably not as well. The outlook will curb. Uh, and for me, the marginal buyer will struggle to come in here where you've done three times in 12 months, right? So it's a bit tougher. We've kind of played the same thematic in the in turnaround story in Telstra. So we've run from about 270 to $4 plus. Now that's a big play and they're going through selling the infrastructure and investing in 5G and the retail side of things. So they're doing quite well. TPG is not doing well and Telstra mm -hmm. is benefiting from that. So there's the macro thematic for them that's still working. Unity Wireless, but it's not a multiple, it's not massive. Where Unity Wireless, you're paying a massive multiple. So mm. think of this way, when rates go up, every stock that's trading at a multiple above 30 will get some, ah, oh, mm. maybe. Mm. So this is one of those stocks. I think it's great, I think management is great, but the multiple, it's all about the numbers. Okay, so not buying, but holding. I, I would actually take my money. I would sell. Oh. I would sell. You, you, whenever you see a crowded trade where yep. everyone loves it, and it's priced at very high multiple, it's like CSL. Everyone loves CSL. Yep. When multiple gets stupid, you sell. Everyone loves CBA, it's a sell right now. Okay, all right. Well, as much as you tried there, Francesco, Nathan is selling it, so that means... It actually falls out of the portfolio. Oh, yeah. There you go. Lock in the profit. It's a great profit. All right. Okay. So that brings us to uh, the end there. Let's summarize where we've been for the second half of the show. Uh, money me. Uh, Francesco saying significant revenue growth there. Attractive at these levels. He likes it. It's a buy. Nathan saying yeah, it's a tough space to be in at the moment, uh, but it's a hold as far as he's concerned. Aurora, this is a packaging. There's so much of it at the moment, as uh, Nathan pointed out. Uh, he, but he actually likes Amcor. It actually split off from Amcor. It's a hold, also a hold from Francesco, also citing that Amcor is the one that you probably want in that space. Pacific Smiles, and as we said, it does bring a smile to investors' faces if you already hold it because it is a buy on um, both fronts there, um, saying, uh, Nathan saying it's execute, executing its uh, better value, to, uh, but it's a boring stock nonetheless. Um, Francesco pointing to earnings growth at about 10% there. Buy from both. It's already in the portfolio, stays in the portfolio. Blue Scope Steel, uh, Nathan's saying phenomenal management. Great business. But there is some downside risk there is that unknown just as far as China is concerned. It's a hold. Uh, Francesco saying expecting earnings to drop off, but does see it as a cheap. It is a buy. And finally there, Unity Group, as we mentioned, it is in the portfolio. Francesco saying he's got an accumulate on it seeing more growth there but Nathan saying well look you already know how good it is that we realized that about 12 months ago he's actually selling it which means it falls out of the portfolio all right Nathan you've done your work today yeah, well done, done <laughs> we kept one there at <laughs> least yeah. uh thanks for joining us from deep data yeah. analytics and Francesco great to have you on the show again thanks for joining us from Audmanet pleasure all right now any stocks you'd like us to cover you can flick us an email that's the call at ausbiz.com.au or you can tweet us at TV. And a reminder where to find those stocks we have in the course portfolio. You can head to ausbiz.co forward slash portfolio.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 